Ladies and gentlemen, do not adjust your dial. This is a very special episode of Costume Station Zero, where Kevin Kittredge and myself will be reviewing Series 9 of Doctor Who, albeit a bit late, but better late than never. So strap in, and here we go. Make the approach. Four, three, two, one. No. Zero. Greetings, listeners. I'm Bob Mitch, and you were uh, aboard Costume Station Zero for a very special Doctor Who review episode. I'm here with Kevin Kittredge. Hi there. And we are going to dive into Series 9. Series 9? Series 9? Number 9? Yeah, like that. <laughs> like that. Uh, so this is The Magician's Apprentice through The Husbands of River Song. Uh, that's right. We'll do the Christmas yeah, as well. Might as well throw it in there, man. Sure. Yeah, complete it out. Uh, so this will bring us uh, up to date, because we, we have reviewed series uh, five through eight previously on this podcast, which if you've enjoyed that, I'm sure you can go look that up. Uh, Kevin and I might come off kind of negative here, maybe, but we're going to try to we're going to try to put the positive with the negative, And we are real fans of this show. <laughs> we promise. It's you know what? We're negative because we care. There you go. It we're would be so easy just to say, yeah, it was a great show. Right, um, uh, and this I want to. I'm, I'm wondering if this will go faster because there's so many two-parters this season. Uh, we'll see. So we should uh, dive into the the premiere, uh, the Magician's Apprentice, and uh, the Witch is Familiar. Uh, yeah, we'll tell you what. Let me start with with some serious positive, and that is, and I share this with season eight as well as season nine. It looks beautiful. It does. The cinematography, mm-hmm. the direction, the art direction, mm-hmm. everything about it visually is just like, man, really good. Mm-hmm. It's very cinematic. Uh, you can tell the money is being well spent on screen. I will definitely give you that. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's interesting when you, you know, I did the big marathon in 2014 and going through all of Doctor Who, not just classic, because it's easy to say, oh, classic was cheap and New Who is expensive. Uh, just seeing the evolution from 2005 to now and the look of the show and just how much it's like gone up from Eccleston and even the, the jump from the 10 tenant years to Smith, you can see there's been kind of a, a cinematic look jump. Well, it helped that they went high def and that they went high def, of course. And, uh, and now with Capaldi, I think they've just, they've really refined, um, uh, a really slick look for the show. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but yeah, as a, as an opener goes, and uh, I have to admit, I had mixed vibes about. Do you remember the the prequels they put out for this? The uh, uh, I forget the exact names of it, but you know, there's the one where he's out in Karn and he's all you know foreboding, and he's he's pulling out the confession dial, yeah. and they're gonna take it for him. And then the other kind of comedy one where he's always trying to dig a well in the Middle Ages, and uh, he can't decide where to put the well, basically because he's bored and he can't concentrate on the task at hand, and he's starting to just I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So uh, th- those left me with mixed vibes. Um, I liked the first one because uh, you know I'm I'm a 
uh, <laughs> I'm a sucker for classic Who, so if you give me Sisterhood of Karn and something that looks very foreboding, uh, I'm interested. If you give me comedy hijinks with a well, I'm not so interested. Right. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, um, but we knew going in that this was going to be, uh, uh, that Missy was coming back uh, from Death in Heaven. And uh, I think I knew Davros was coming back. I think I spoiled myself on that one. I spoiled myself on that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did, I knew that he was going to be Davros as a kid. I knew we'd see yeah. that. I knew there was that idea yeah, of the story. Yeah. I didn't know we'd actually get, what's his name again? Who plays him now? Oh, Julian Bleach? Yes. Yeah. I didn't think we'd get actual current. Oh, right. And and I know that I'm supposed to love uh Terry Malloy and, mm-hmm. and all those other guys. And I know I'm supposed to say, why couldn't they just get Terry? I mean, it's just makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Julian's fantastic. Julian's great. He is great. I, it, there is a part of me that, hey, it would have been wonderful to have Terry Malloy back. I think he's doing fine stuff for Big Finish currently for anyone who is not checking that out. But uh, but that's fine. I think Julian's done a fine job. Um, so when I saw Davros himself, mm-hmm. I was actually really excited. Yeah, it's always exciting to see Davros. Uh, I, I remember it's hard to not break it down into both parts. It's hard. It's actually difficult for me to think of it as one whole cohesive story. Uh, cause I remember I was disappointed with part one. I was very, I felt very much like, uh, this is almost kind of needless filler. It felt like we're filling time to get to the meat of this episode, which is when is the doctor going to go to Scaro and face up to Davros and get this thing going? Cause it doesn't, you don't even get there till like the end of part one. Right. right, and then you get all the business with uh, the stopped planes and Clara facing off with Missy, and the the mystery box of the confession dial, and the and then fi- finding the Doctor in medieval times, uh, doing all kinds of anachronistic stuff with the the, the famous now image of the tank and the guitar, um, and uh, well, let's that. break some of these down. Sure, sure. Because you know the Doctor's entrance on the guitar, I know you hate it. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I think the doctor's, you know what? What's it what's it what's decided at this point? The doctor has figured out that he's going to die, right? Supposedly. So he's like, "Fuck it. I'm just going to have a blast for a while and mm-hmm. do whatever I want." Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to if I feel like wailing on an electric guitar in front of people who have absolutely no idea what this is, I'm going to do it. And I think I think Doctor Who is as much as Listen, I've said it before. When Doctor Who came back in 2005, I wanted Battlestar Galactica. I wanted brutal. I wanted blood. Mm-hmm. I wanted violence. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't happen that way. No. Oh, man, I wish it did, though. But, <laughs> but knowing that it's not that, uh-huh. there's got to be some fun yeah. to mix it up. Sure. So that's where, the, that's where some of the fun was on this. Okay. Okay, Kevin. I didn't like it. All right. Well, you don't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think my uh, my my issue, and, and you're right. I don't mind Capaldi playing guitar. I think that's kind of like his jelly babies playing spoons, whatever you want to say for for this doctor. That's fine. Uh, I'm bothered by the fact he has such a wanton disregard for history to say, oh, here's a modern tank, and I'm going to have a guitar and the stupid axe battle joke. Boy, I thought there was a lame joke. And I'll tell you why. I always think of uh, how. The seventh doctor berated Ace for almost leaving a boombox in the '60s, and I think that's the doctor, not this guy over here who doesn't care. About but do we know? Do we know that he left that stuff there? 
No, he didn't. That's why he gave her crap. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about there. 12. Yeah. We don't know that 12 didn't take the tank back. Um, well, he definitely didn't take it with him when they went to, to uh, Scaro. I mean, did he go back for it? I would hope so, but... I think it's very possible. Well, all right. So, I mean, if <laughs> if you're putting on your glasses that you don't really wear and saying, um, the doctor is not supposed to be leaving things anachronistically in the past... It's established. Remembrance of the Daleks, it happened. Right, I'm just saying. Right, But, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I guess an option to what they did, something that sounds like you would have preferred they do, mm -hmm. is find the doctor sulking in a library somewhere. They show up. They say, hey, doctor, we got some trouble. And he goes, oh, okay, let's go. Boom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's not super exciting. Uh, you got to find, it's fun to find out what the doctor's been doing. Okay. You, you want spectacle. Fine. I just don't well, want dumb spectacle because the doctor's not dumb. All right. That's that's my thing. And to be honest, I feel like most of this episode should have just skipped to the end. Let's start on Scaro, where the doctor shows up where he should have been all along. Because the whole fake out, the doctor's going to die again. There's this confession dial. I mean, it's such a repeat yeah. of what we've had before with uh, Trenzalore and uh, the whole season six astronaut thing. It just felt like, come on, Moffat, let's not go back to this well again, no pun intended. It just felt stale. All right, almost. well, I'm going to go back to some other stuff we might disagree on. Okay. Uh, Missy's entrance. Yeah. Oh. I mean, right. Well, I think what you want to happen is everybody's at unit. Like, yep. man, where's the doctor? So we we need the doctor. And Missy shows up. She says, "I need the doctor too. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think um, it makes sense. Again, I don't mind the master making an entrance. I mind the master making a stupid entrance with a song lyric. That's that's my problem. I guess I don't even have a pro too much of a problem with that. Yeah, it just it smacks of the the over the top John Sim. I'm really the Joker master, not the master master. And that's the thing. Everybody says, "Oh man, this new master, she's so great because she's crazy." No, she's the same. She's the same. <laughs> she's, yeah, I didn't need. To, I like the little standoff at the cafe table and giving Clara more of a backbone and the weirdness of stalled planes. Although all it was was a parlor trick to get their attention. You made it. It made me wish there was more of a point to it. Look. All, most of this episode to me is clearing the throat. It really just, it needs, needs to get Descaro. It needs to be, oh, Doctor summoned Descaro. He knows it's ominous. He could have a debate about it for a scene with the Master or Clara or whoever or Unit. And then he goes. You know? And then we go there. And, that, and then that's where we need to be. I love, but I did like the teaser in the beginning where we're in the middle, essentially, of Genesis of the Daleks and old Scarrow and the war. And that was really cool. And you see young Davros. And it's a great scene. Admittedly, I'm surprised more of the episode did not take place there. And we wouldn't have had more of Capaldi dealing with Kid Davros. Maybe not the whole episode, but maybe like a running B-plot or something. I want to go back to the beginning in a moment. Yeah. But more about just the Master in general. Mm -hmm. I really like John Sim. Yeah. And I think I know that he wanted to play the master more badass. Mm -hmm. Like we wanted yeah, him to, but right. he didn't have that option. Yeah. Right. Uh, from from Russell. And so but I loved him. I think Michelle Gomez, mm -hmm. she's just got a presence. She is great. She's a she's really bringing something to the master. I've 
Uh, it took me a while to kind of come around on that because, again, I, I think they were still being a little goofy with her at parts. In yeah, she is. Thing. She's very silly, and I wish yeah. she wasn't silly. Man, I, I mean, can you imagine her as just being badass yeah. evil? Yeah, 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 yeah. And not just because she shot guards that were standing there. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not good. Yeah, not like yeah, that. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. fucking conniving. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. I the, the little moments with her I liked where I can, I can see... Again, I'm always looking for Delgado in these performances. Uh, it's like the part where at the very end, uh, in part two, the Daleks kind of have her surrounded and she's already talking her way out of it. She's almost like, you know, I've, I've got an idea. And I can see I can see the machinations there. I can see a little Delgado like wheeling and dealing to save his life. You know, it's, you know, it, something. and the thing that comes from is from any time that Moffat does something without explaining it, mm-hmm. we get pissed off. Yeah. And her going, let me think about this or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's him saying, see, she's got a plan. And it doesn't, I don't think we'll ever find out no. what that plan was. No. I could no. be wrong. Probably they could, not. it could be a one liner. But I think that's him saying, there you go. Back to the beginning. <laughs> yes. Uh, the hand mines. All right. Yeah. Look really cool. They're creepy. They don't make sense at all. They're, they're kind creepy. of stupid. Are there yeah. really are there people under there? Yeah. With their arms? Yeah. Right. <laughs> or what, what kind? Are they robot arms? Are they what, what kind of weird tech? That's right, because they blow up. Yeah. Or they they suck you under. Oh, they suck you under. Okay. I mean, they're creepy, but it made me kind of go like, um. So how does this interchange with the weird traditional landmine that Tom Baker stepped on in Genesis that he had to get disarmed? I mean, can you imagine you know planting those fields, the hand mine fields, planting hands. <laughs> Planting hands, the, the hand, the hand. Uh, I mean, yeah, everybody's hunters. you know digging a tunnel. You throw a guy in there. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of <laughs> got no. Now, when you sense somebody, you get your hands up. You pull them down. <laughs> pull them down. Good. All right. And then they have to put surgical eyeballs in their palms. So oh, that's right. The creepy. eyeballs. Yeah. Again, really creepy looking. Yeah, very creepy. Yeah, Doesn't weird. really make sense. Yeah. It's good for a nightmare. It made me wonder exactly. It made me wonder if he wrote it as a traditional landmine and said, mm-hmm. "Now let's we got to creepify this up a bit and and make it more than, than just a standard landmine." Um, it was a it was a great hook for an opening though. You know, yeah. When he finds that it's a little Davros, and I'm like, okay. Um. But yeah, I and then oh and uh, what's his name? Colony Sarf, man, man made of snakes. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, I think that's kind of dumb. Yeah, it's it's it again doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's I, I, don't get me wrong, not all Doctor Who does. Some of it's very barmy, but uh, yeah, I just felt like so we just did this to make a cool snake eye effect and to make him go around on like a Segway or something and it looked very you know. I gotta tell you, when I watched this initially, it was without you. Oh, I remember this. Yes. Okay. I mean, I don't remember being there, but I remember the story. <laughs> but I, uh, there was someone had a viewing party, and there was, uh, and it was one of the, we're uh, we're adults, and there was uh, not adult beverages, but perhaps some uh, adult smoking items that people were using. Not me. It's not really my thing. But <laughs> so anytime when Colony Snarf is that his name? Snarf. Sarf. Sarf. Okay. Mm-hmm. That snarf is snarf. something else. That sounds like something out of He Man. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, when he first showed up, one dude totally baked was like, "He's totally on a not a." It wasn't a say. He didn't say Segway, but it was one of those little scooter uh, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I th- a hoverboard. He's a well. They call them hoverboards okay. with the wheels. Okay. He's totally on a hoverboard, and then everybody laughed except me because mm-hmm. I didn't think it was very funny. And then every time Sarf showed up, yeah. like every time, yeah. he's totally on a... 
oh, shut the fuck up, dude. There was one point where I actually, and <laughs> Athena brought me to this party. Yes. I didn't know anybody else there. And so I was mainly on my best behavior. Mm-hmm. But I think it was after like the fifth or sixth time this guy said this and everybody laughed. I said, maybe we should accept the fact that he's on a hoverboard <laughs> and move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of a jerk sometimes. Yeah. But I understand. I've been in those situations and you want to bite your tongue. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Colony Sarf uh, was not... I felt he was because he he doesn't even do that much in the next episode. I feel like he's again. I feel like all this is there for spectacle presentation that doesn't pay off very well. Um, even even the confession dial isn't quite what we think it is, and I guess we'll get we'll say that when we get there. But it's uh, yeah, boy. I I don't know. I just felt like part one was just a big old yeah waste of time. I just wanted to get to part two. Well, speaking of in part two, mm-hmm. Missy. And Clara are teaming up. Mm-hmm. Clara is the witch's apprentice, or the witch is familiar. familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they scoop out a Dalek, dead Dalek, and they throw Clara in there. Hark back to Ian and the Daleks. Very nice. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's something that, this is another thing where they redefine what being a Dalek is. Yes. They right. add information, excuse me, that we didn't know before mm-hmm. that I don't think makes sense i kind of hate it uh well the thing in particular for me is when you're in the dalek Mm -hmm. and you try to say i like you Mm -hmm. the daleks will say i hate you right uh give me a hug exterminate right okay well that's fine if you want to go by that but that takes away anytime you hear a dalek Mm -hmm. as far as we know that dalek could be saying this sucks being a dalek i want to be nice yeah and we hear lots of exterminates. Yep. And a Dalek should, I think a Dalek should just be evil. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily evil. It's just what we hear. That's, uh, that's a good point. Uh, it was something I was I was thinking about. It's, I guess in a way it's supposed to be food for thought, but it does fly somewhat in the face of established canon with the Daleks. Uh, I, in, in, uh, in Bob's world of accepting this, <laughs> In, in trying to make this work because it's on screen and I, I there are times I will willfully ignore stuff when I think it's too dumb. But in this case, it's like, all right, I'm just going to look at this as, uh, you know, these are the post-RTD Daleks with the weird sort of grafted human cells, you know, from Satellite 5. Uh, they're, uh, and they needed that programming to keep them in line because they're no longer the pure Daleks from, of, of your who just automatically thought these things. They need kind of the buffer. I don't even love that, but I'll take that over what they just presented straight face, as you just said, basically, that, you know, it's, uh, and that did sound weak. I'm sorry. No, I don't like it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah, I, I it's, it's, uh, it, it made for a nice scene with Clara, um, or I'm just going to say it was a malfunctioning dollar casing. I like that better. It's a one-off weird casing and it, it just did what it did. But didn't, um, didn't Missy say that, you know, the master lies. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll tell you the other retcon I wasn't terribly fond of was uh, Dalek sewers. It's just dumb, dude. Yeah, it's uh, because they're not technically sewers; they're graveyards, and it really made me go like, "Wait a minute! Wait a second! Um, uh, 
really? <laughs> it really had me going like, you're saying at some point a doll gets old or something and they scoop out the insides and just dump them into these pipes? Like, really? And tell me if I'm wrong here, but this is one of those instances where, especially at the end, where if the doctor just lets Davros go get ahead with his plan, mm -hmm. I mean, Davros still loses. Right. So the doctor, I guess the doctor had to be there, technically, to had, provide that spark. He had to be there, but he couldn't look like he did it willingly. Otherwise, they would have suspected something was up. So he had to look like he was sort of onto it and tricked into it like he was. So that bit felt very Seventh Doctor-y to me. I like that. A big, But a big bit of this it reminds me of the Curse of the Fatal Death. Mm -hmm. We'll explain later. Like, it's something that's so clearly... A device. Uh, I'll touch touch these here these here cords. Yeah, and every Dalek feels what's in these cords. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's it's already weird enough that uh, what is it? Davros was sustained by the Daleks, right? Because he was sort of on his last breath. I think that part was legit, right? I don't remember that. I think so. Yeah, he he was being. Um, I thought that's what he was saying, and that's why that those cords were piped technically somehow into all of. I mean, it's a huge strain. Don't get me wrong. How those cords all go to the Daleks, um, and yes, and then uh, the Doctor does his re the the fanciful regeneration energy he can give. Oh up my gosh! Any time. Oh, I'm done with yes. that. Oh yes, hated that. Um, golly gosh. Well, let's go to your to your least favorite retcon of all, uh, which is the fact that Davros's eyes apparently were not burned out. Oh yeah, I hated that. I guess he's just got makeup on his eyes yeah. and he can open them if he really tries. Yeah, I understand they were going for an Oh emotional. no, wait a second. No, no, that's right. The doctor regenerated them. That's right. No, no, no. Didn't the doctor give him regeneration energy? Not before that part. What do you No, he just suddenly said, "Uh, I, I'm just going to I'm going to use my own eyes." And suddenly there is I Look, I look the whole thing no, is No, isn't that where the doctor said, "Don't tell anyone I said this for you." Didn't he give him some regeneration it wasn't energy? Was that that moment? Oh, okay. Kevin and I haven't watched this since it aired, so that's why we're kind of doing this, and it's several months later, so I'm sure there might be some mad Whovians going like, no, you're wrong! But um, but even if it is the regeneration energy, please stop giving yeah, it up. Yeah, it, look, I don't remember it like that. I just remember that suddenly he's opening his eyes, and you'd think that they would even have lampshaded that, and they didn't. It just felt like, wait, my biggest beef is, you're telling, okay, even if it is, even if it is, you're going to tell me that he gives him regeneration energy, and all he does is grow some eyeballs? Right, it's very focused. It's like it's like when you try to lose weight. Like I would like to lose weight just under my chin. Yeah, but you can't. You just got to do the whole exercise thing. Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. But yes, as soon as he opened his eyes, I'm like, oh my god, they're trying to do a, a a Dalek moment when the Dalek opens up and sees the sun and all that. They're going for this big moment, and it was wonderfully acted. I have nothing against Julian Bleach there. He did a fine job. But yes, in my mind, the reason he's got a little blue light in his forehead is because he's got no eyes. They're sockets. <laughs> yeah. So how in the hell does he just open eyes he doesn't have? That was very, oh my God, I just wanted to beat my head against the door. Um, so yes, not happy about that. There was some very nice, my, my favorite part of part two was just a lot of the little conversations and interplay between the Doctor and Davros. These two guys that, that classic, we've been enemies so long. They're kind of weirdly friends. Like, right. I dig that vibe. Yeah, I do like that. They did an audio like this with Colin Baker that was very, that was excellent. I highly recommend it. It is called, shocker, Davros. And I highly recommend people check that out. And it also has a lot of great interplay with the Doctor and Davros. So I dug that. I hated the Sonic Sunglasses. 
Oh, yes. They're bad. Yes. And uh, when they showed up, I thought, okay, all right, Moffat, I'll give you, I'll let you have this one. As a little one-off gag, as a way to sneak the Sonic in so the Daleks don't know what it is and and uh, bring your TARDIS back together. Fair enough. And then it keeps on going, but we'll continue with that later. Um, so speaking of which, the, the cliffhanger of destruction, death of Clara, destruction of the TARDIS, uh, total cop-out. You know, you know it, it's got no jeopardy. Um, and then I did like the fact that the resolution was a version of the HAD system, which was established in the Troughton era, and we saw in Cold War and uh, Season 7. But it's now been... Like, it's fine if you just say, oh, okay, the TARDIS just moved. I'm like, fine. No, the TARDIS apparently somehow can disperse its shell into little tiny fragments and then recollect it at the push of a button. And uh, I just kind of thought, and inform and around you, and then you're in the TARDIS. And the thing is, it's like you don't have to think of these crazy ways to bring the TARDIS back. You didn't have to blow it up in the first place. No, no, you didn't. No. Nope. I understand they wanted to show real real Jeopardy. And they had to but, have... but by doing that, they reduce every potential of Jeopardy going forward. Uh, yes, because now if you really want to up the stakes and really show the TARDIS in, in peril, then you're all you're gonna do is think about this and go, oh well it's you know, you you've already undercut yourself. Um, and I think we all knew, and of course what they did was the old teleport out away as someone is, because they did it with Rose in Parting of the Ways. That's right. So, again, we've seen this. It's just, again, more just kind of feels old hat. Um, and we get the cute, cute little opening where, uh, the master is telling that story about the doctor and his teleportation and, and she's doing that whole thing where, oh, there was this time and he's running from these aliens and, and it could have been any of them. So we get that great little shot where it's Hartnell and it's Tom Baker and then it's, it's, uh, Capaldi. Oh, good, cute, fan service, nice. And then we get the, the bit where he teleports. Okay, fine. Then we get the stupid bit where he wakes up apparently in a, a room full of vampire monkeys or something, which I thought was like, okay, now we're just getting stupid. Now, now, now Moffat's just thrown something to, I don't know, the, the, the younger fans or something. I wasn't a fan of that, but, um, anyway, so I didn't hate it. It's just, yeah, it's silly. It just wasn't needed, but, um, okay. Doctor in the Davros chair. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, it's a cool visual. Sure. It's fun that it happened. Sure. But why? Why? I mean, yeah. why? Why Why fool it? And then apparently Davros has a force field, which I guess I can believe. Oh, and of course the teacup. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> Question, where did I get the teacup? Answer, I'm the doctor. It's like, okay. Stop thinking about the show. Mm -hmm. Just look at the pretty colors. Yeah. Do you see the way they move? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's bullshit. Yeah. No, there's usually some... Usually the doctor has to think it out and, and kind of has to deal with what he's got. I mean, if, if you're going to just say the doctor's that much of a magician, then how, how come he can't just pull exactly what he needs out of his coat every and it's time not like he needs the, it? It's not like the tea was needed. Exactly. Moffat thought, hey, that'd be cool. I won't think it through. Okay. <laughs> how did he get it? I don't know. He's a doctor. Shut up. Stop thinking. I'm Batman. Yeah, that's what it is. It's uh, Yeah. Uh, there, there was an interesting interplay with Clara and the master as they go through the caverns and stuff. Um, the actors played it well. It did start to feel a little, um, what do I want to say? Not, maybe not running stimpy, pinky in the brain. It just felt very, <laughs> very Warner Brothers cartoon. That's funny. You know, uh, you know, cause the master just kept, kept treating her like adult and kicking her down crevices and stuff. Um, and then tricking her into the Dalek, and and very twisted master. I did like this where he was, she was happy to 
let Clara be mistaken for a Dalek and have the doctor kill her. Oh, not mistaken. She was pushing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she saw it and then she was happy to push it further. And I thought, okay, I like that. There was a twistedness there that I like with the master and all that. Yeah, I um, thought it was, I liked it a lot too. Yeah, that was cool. But yeah, the L, and I, I like how at least the resolution involves, you know, this big eruption of, of Dalek uh, goo, which of course was set up with the sewers, so it doesn't feel total Duak Machina, uh, Duas Act Machina. I never pronounce it right. Hand of God. Yes, Hand of God. Doesn't feel like that. But it stills just kind of dumb because I don't even like the basic idea of Dalek sewers to begin with, or Dalek graveyard slash sewers to begin with. So, and the idea that they're what is it? They're dead, but they're not like fully dead. So when he puts the energy into them, then they come alive, and that's why they bubble up. And yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just my head's in my hands. Here. And somewhere in there, they they do start to just lightly drop this whole hybrid thing, this very weird light weak arc of this season, the hybrid arc, which. I think if you're going to play that and give it the significance it supposedly has in the finale, you need to set that up a little stronger, guys. Just make it have a little more weight. Maybe the Sisterhood of Karn has some big prophecy about it, and they announce it for some reason. Something. I don't know. Or the Master mentions it, maybe, in conjunction with the confession. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of ways to improve this. Anyway, um, so yeah, I... I walked away generally underwhelmed despite some nice moments with Davros and the good performances. And well, let's like go to the end where the doctor realizes the Daleks know the word mercy. Okay. And he's like, how did that word mercy get there? Mm-hmm. And it's the doctor who goes back and he talks to the kid, talks to sure. Davros. Talks to Davros. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I, uh, I am just, I think this is terrible. It's dumb because you have Davros as a kid. Yeah. And I think the is the only thing you really try to do is get him to introduce mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you've already dealt with him when he created the Daleks, and he pretty much wasn't listening to any of that. But so the Daleks are going to go out. You listen, to these Daleks. You might create something horrible uh, that kills billions and billions of people across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, once in a while. Trying to have some mercy, right? Because that clearly does so much to stop the Daleks. I mean, is what they do? Is this when he, does he go to Hitler next and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, listen, at some point, mm-hmm. you might horribly murder millions of people. Maybe give some of them shoes." <laughs> oh God! I mean, it's like—is that the best you're going to do? Is introduce the potential of mercy sometimes yeah and to and to be fair uh, the daleks have said mercy before this so i think well so a bit yeah but i don't think he heard okay i don't think the doctor heard it before so this is the first time he heard it it's like what okay i mean all right sure it's it's wibbly wobbly right okay never mind it's like you're gonna change the you're gonna what is what mercy what did the doctor actually do Mm -hmm. How did he change the Daleks besides mm-hmm. the one time he heard them say mercy? Right. It's not like the it's not like they stopped conquering. It's not like uh, suddenly some of the horrible things he saw them do disappeared, or he doesn't make a point of it anyway. If you're gonna change Davros's outlook, mm-hmm. then you gotta change it. Yeah, yeah. And instead it becomes well and Right, because it's a it's a whole thing, right, where they fake you out. They, that's right. Part two of the cliffhanger is we think he kills Davros, which, to be honest, for everything he's going to do, you can, you can kind of go with. But I also understand that he's our hero. He can't be seen killing kids. Okay. 
Uh, so this sort of becomes sort of the, the half measure, kind of like what happens in Genesis. He doesn't really wipe out the Daleks. Uh, they kind of roll over their own cord, and there is still an explosion, but it doesn't really stop them. It just delays them, just buys you some time. So it, it becomes kind of a, a half step, and I think that's kind of what happens here. It's a nice sentiment. Um, I'll say that. But remember, uh, he, remember he says, oh, I'm going to save my friend. And really, we think he, he means Clara, but really he's referring to Davros in this case, as kind of being his friend, which in a weird, twisted way they've been setting up. Um, well, I knew he was going to shoot the hand. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. But I'm just saying that, oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 It just didn't deliver on the cool premise of young Davros and what we did get, I felt took too long to get there. So it was a bloated first half with needless spectacle and a second half with some very, um, some, some ideas I wasn't too happy about adding to Canon like Davros or Davros, Dalek sewers. Uh, yeah, basically all I liked about this episode was the potential of it and a lot of the performances and some of the Davros exchanges with the Doctor. And how about the... Okay, so the Doctor has decided he's going to go back and he's going to save little Davros as a kid. Uh, he sees the da little Davros kid and Davros is like, Hey, what's going on? Um, and how did... <laughs> the Doctor doesn't say, Stay tight, kid. I'm going to shoot these hand mines. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get you out of here. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say that. He says... I'm going to save my friend. The only way I can exterminate. It's like, what? That's not, that's not very reassuring. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good way to freak the kid out, actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about written to service the cliffhanger in the audience and not to service the scene. And we get more of that in our next oh, God, yes. two stories. Yes, that's true. Is it the next two stories or is it two stories after that? Well... I, I know what you're referring to, but yeah, that's it's a little more down the line. But anyways, I'm uh, Bob, I'm referring to me. Yeah, I know. I know you're referring to I'm referring me. to me. Yes. That's at the very what? end of the season. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. Am I talking about Kevin? <laughs> Am I referring to myself? Ah, we'll find out later. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Um, uh, I don't even know what to rate this because it's such a... Oh, gosh, come on, man. Always with the numbers. I, I'm so disappointed with the, the potential, the performances, and some of the exchanges is, is really where I say yay, and everything else I say a big fat nay to. Oh, I hate giving numbers to these things. It's hard. It, it's harder with these two-parters. Well, um, I just hate it as a concept. I can't... I just want everything I just said to be what I think about it. Uh, you're going to rate it higher than me, though. You were kinder to it than I was. I'll give it a six. I will go four. Okay. All right. Um, so the next one was uh, Under the Lake. Hmm. Well, this is a bit more traditional. I really, really liked part one. I kind of didn't like part two. So I'm a little schizo on this one. But uh, you give me the doctor uh, in a cool underwater sea base uh, that's under attack by weird ghost things. Kick his ace, sea base. <laughs> 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 uh, and I'm all on board. It's it's very it's very classic, very classic who, very Trouton. Um, so I did like that, but uh, I did feel when you try to add it all up, it's a little it's a little stupid. But uh, we'll I'll, I'll, let me try to go through part one here. So they show up. Uh, we know that uh, they they read these weird markings in this ship they find in this underwater base that's in a flooded lake, and this we know is it causes something because. Uh, one of the one of this crew dies. He turns into this weird ghost, and 
you find out that they only like they only attack you if you've read, right? If you've read the um, yes uh, the the symbols in the ship. Uh, the doctor shows up and. Uh, the TARDIS didn't want to take him there. Always kind of nice and intriguing. That, and I like the Doctor just going around, and, and he sees the ghost, and they don't want, they don't care about him at first because he hasn't read the stuff in the ship, which is kind of cool. Um, and very creepy looking these weird ghosts with the big black eyes. I did like that. That was a good design. I don't know. Um, this, uh, I mean, it, it had oodles of atmosphere. I thought it, it was nice and creepy. Uh, I'm already blurring though. I guess maybe this is too traditional. I'm already blurring a little in some of the details. So basically, they um, they find the remains of the crew in the Faraday cage room because that's the only room you're safe from the ghosts. And otherwise, they can pick up things and hurt you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I get not going being able to go in the Faraday cage. Right? Wasn't that there was something established there? That yeah, you, yeah, yeah. But. Um, but basically, it since most of them had read the, the markings, they were all you know susceptible, and eventually the doctor and Claire too. Uh, and yeah, and they only come out quote at night or the night of the base. So that was kind of an interesting thing. So they were safe during daylight hours. Um, and they oh okay right the whole point in this was kind of dumb. The, uh, it turns out that they wanted more of these ghosts because of this weird chant you do as a ghost because you're basically like a signal to bring this alien rescue ship. Wasn't the reading coordinates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I thought it was basically like a like a rescue beacon. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're boosting the signal they're with more people. They're boosting the signal, yeah. Um, but we did, so we did establish in a sense that these are kind of legitimate ghosts, right? They're not, are they? Or are they like a weird... I don't... Th- After image. No, no. It's not... It wasn't the ghost of those people, I think. It's like some... It? So it's like a... After... A psychic after image of these people that somehow psychically sends this signal out into space? This is the part that I think it just gets a little... It's ghosts. They can't really be ghosts. Well, they're sending a signal out. How and why? I don't think about it. That's that's where I'm kind of out with it. Yeah. But the doctor, his final thing is that they're not ghosts, right? Uh, he doesn't want to bind the ghosts. Well, thing, first but... he says, oh, yeah. of course they're not ghosts. Then yeah, he goes, yeah. oh, no, they're ghosts. Yeah. But then later on, he finds out they're not ghosts, right? Well, kind of in this radio transmitter mm-hmm. kind of way, but he never comes completely out and lays it out like that. Hmm. It's got a pretty effective cliffhanger uh, where, you know, uh, we think that with the doctor, when he goes, he leaves in the TARDIS to go solve this in the past, which is another thing they didn't hide where, oh, hey, if there's a ghost in this house, if we time travel to before there was a ghost, maybe we can solve this before X person dies or the lake is flooded and, you know, we'll, we'll solve this before it happens. Nice idea. The problem with such ideas is it robs you of the tension and jeopardy of those scenes. It, it is something the doctor should consider doing, but I always thought that's the reason they came up with that rule of once he's there, he's part of the events and he can't just, you know, jump in the TARDIS and do that. Um, unless it's just to leave, to totally bugger off. Uh, and then, of course, he does that. He ends up with the Pyramids of Mars situation, and usually everything's gone to hell, and he's got to stay and fix things. Got it. Well, <laughs> that's why I think this is a little bit of a cheat. Um, so they go back in time in part two to, what was that, the uh, the 80s, right? It seemed like Cold War. That's what it seemed like, uh, before the lake was flooded. And they oh, find yeah. the they find the ship and the they, that uh, the guy from the race from uh, God Complex, the, the conquered race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's funny to see them as usual, and... Uh, but even that was kind of weird to me. I remember thinking, like, so he, 
brought this... So there was this this conqueror who had died. That got a little murky. He brought them in a hearse to this planet. I think he had crashed or something. Boy, I'm already foggy on some of this. But he... So he landed, and it, it really made me go, well, what was he planning to do? Was he trying to signal his planet to get a jump start? Like... And then, the, and then this, this conqueror, we don't even get into that, like, oh, he faked his death, I guess, and to get away from the, 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 the rebels that absorbed him, and now he's going to bring his other people, and, and I guess he's going to reconquer. Very weird-looking alien, but it just, I don't know, it just became something to stalk him and, and kill him off one by one. Uh, fun note, that alien was voice was Peter Serafinowicz. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um... My memory of this one was that I, I just really liked the, the traditional base under siege stuff, but the resolution got a little lame with the uh, the, the time travel thing. And even that kind of uh, Back to the Future 2 thing where they end up kind of going over it again and they're they're looking at themselves as they first see um, them approach the, the hearse and, and all that. And um, and, uh, and the girl dies, they see the ghost of the girl. And, and then that whole thing, oh yeah, isn't this the one that opens with the bootstrap paradox opening? With the um, Beethoven's record and, and he's, you know, talk, which again is not a new concept to Who, but they had to kind of, for some reason they felt they had to lampshade it for you. No? Okay. I'm trying to, what's that? Because the whole idea here is that the doctor saves himself because, because he already knew from the future to save himself, basically. That's right. Which is... Which they've been doing a lot. They yeah. just never labeled it like they this. Just, yeah, they just never put a big old stamp on it like that. Peter I mean, Serafinowicz, by the way, is going to play the Tick in the next series of The Tick. Oh, cool. <clears throat> Very cool. Awesome. I look forward to that. Um, yeah, no, because I, I know at the end when Claire's like, hey, it worked out. And he's like, ah, but did it? Because did I do it because of this or did I do it because of this? Ah, bootstrap. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> 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 yeah part part two really lets this one down for me uh but you know as i say it's great on atmosphere and 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 claire getting stalked and the, and the little talking to the doctor on the on the monitor phone thing uh and all that i just i don't know i wanted to like it more than i did i remember the voice of the of the big evil guy screaming mm-hmm. was some metal dude oh Okay. I don't even remember who it was, but mm-hmm. it was a metal dude. A metal dude. Um, yeah, I, and I didn't really surprise me much that the doctor was the one in the um, the, the cryo chamber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of knew that was going to be the case. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's full it's full of good good traditional Doctor Who setup. It's just I felt the the resolution was kind of weak and not very. Yeah, and, and the, yeah, it's just the whole aliens plot with with writing the, writing these symbols to create these ghosts to send this signal, and it made me just kind of go, why didn't he just re- hijack the ship, or why didn't he use the radio in the ship? That's not really explained. Like basic little things like that. It just kind of mm. makes me go, like, okay, it's kind of a convoluted plot just to facilitate a very strange mystery of ghosts in an underwater sea base. Um, so yeah, you have not talked much about this, Kevin. I get the impression you either don't care or don't remember it. Uh, I think there's a healthy combination of both. <laughs> Okay. That's not a good sign. No, and I think I did try to watch this one a couple of times as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks the doctor looked scary mm-hmm. when he was the ghost. Yes. Um, Meta Hedden did yes. that costume at Gallifrey. And it was a fine awesome. job. Yeah, it's very spooky. Yeah. 
but there was the thing about uh, the deaf gal on the ship. Right. Mm-hmm. That was um, a creepy scene where it's it's stalking her and the, the axe is making this noise and she can't hear it. That yeah. was nicely done. Yeah. Yeah. Not 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 enough stood out to me on this. I was I was hoping for more. Yeah. It 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 promised much in part one and part two. It just I feel it just kind of dropped a ball. It just I felt it either didn't explain things adequately or or explain them weakly. This is reminding me of when the season was finally over and we had a just a preliminary just like what did we think and I think we were both left with. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is a good example of that. Meh. Yeah, even though I would happily watch this one over Magician's Apprentice, actually, just because it feels more like the kind of Doctor Who I want. Um, yeah, I I want to like this one better, but in a weird way, uh, it's it yeah. And again, as you say, we've got we've done the bootstrap paradox before in Doctor Who, but they're making it sound like we haven't. But this is yet again to me like, oh well rehashing stuff we've seen and i don't just mean oh we're rehashing stuff from classic who it's like we're rehashing stuff we've seen in doctor who in the last five to seven years and it's like you know we need to try to be a little fresher here guys so i don't know i'm yeah yeah i'm at like i'm gonna give this one a six just because it's like wow as i said it gives me enough traditional elements that i I can get engaged but it's just kind of i was gonna go with five because i i consider five to be in the middle okay and that's how I saw this. Well, I, when I think of this season, the ones I have the kindest memories to is this one and uh, Heaven Sent. And almost everything else is middling to bad. Maybe I'll surprise myself when I go over some other ones. But that's just my that's just when I think of season nine, that's, that's how it, it bubbles back up in my head. Um, so, yeah. So exciting. All right, let's see how we fare with the next one. Do we count the next one as a two-parter? They're really two linked separate stories. The girl who died and the woman who lived. Well, whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, they're connected, but you know what? I think they're separate enough we can review these separately because they, 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 they're so little. I mean, it's just, it, it's just a, conti- it's a character comes. It's like counting the two Harry Mudd episodes as one episode because Harry Mudd shows up twice. So I'm, I'm going to thumb my nose at the to-be-continued credit on this one. Uh, so the did girl, they put to be continued? They did. Again? They did. Okay. Um, so uh, the girl who died, uh, co-written by Jamie Matheson, who wrote my favorite season eight story. That's right. Yes. I think that's why I was additionally disappointed in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has some nice little bits. Um, you know, it starts off with I, I like the fun of starting off, and the doctor tries to play God for a second with the yo-yo, and then the real sort of Python sort of looking God shows up. That was supposed to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some nice little moments there. Um, and uh, Clara facing off with the weird Viking-looking alien. You know, okay, I'm okay with that. Uh, we get more sonic sunglasses, although I thought this would be the death of them. I thought, remember, they, they were going to break them, and I'm like, oh, great, they're done. <laughs> no, they're not. Um, and I, I love the joke of that, but I'm like, could, could Vikings really just, just break them that easy? Because they're, they're sonic, right? Shouldn't they be more durable? All right, why am I defending the sonic sunglasses? Um the uh, I one thing I really like though, because this is something the new series does a lot uh, that I'm not a fan of, which is kind of the uh, love conquers all. If you really wish it or really believe in yourself and or really speechify at something and and you will prevail. It's uh, it's a lovely, lovely sentiment that I think needs to be put in as subtext instead of the text. And here he solves things by actually having a plan 
and actually rigging up a whole thing with the eels and the electricity and faking out the aliens. What I liked about that was it was a plan. It was something tangible, and they they implemented it. And there was a consequence. I mean, temporarily, a shoulder died. So I like that. I like that a lot as a resolution, big time. Um, I know I skipped to the end, but that's the, my other big prevailing memory of this episode. Uh, there's some nice little character bits, though, with the Doctor and Clara, I think, in this one. And um, Like what? Well, I mean, just some of their asides actually see, feel feel more natural. They just they they don't feel so overly forced, you know, quippy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's uh, you you could argue some of the shoulders dialogue when she's going on about the carving she does gets a little overly poetic. But uh, I'll tell you that I thought they overplayed the humor with the training sequence with the uh, the you know, the guys and oh here's how you hold a sword and oh they wake up and oh part of the village is on fire oh hilarity ensues and it's like yeah I don't I don't need that oh but I'll tell you what I did hate I'll tell, you what, <laughs> I'll tell you what I did hate here's what Bob really hates about the episode the doctor talks baby again yeah yeah yep um, granted it's it's played a little better here than before because apparently uh, apparently a baby crying talks extremely uh profoundly we didn't know this but you know the doctor <laughs> remember he's he's kind of looking off into the sunset you know almost lyrically to, and for a minute there i'm like what is he saying oh he's translating the baby and i'm like ooh, yeah <laughs> like, i don't i don't know if i buy that yeah i i think that was a device best left forgotten i, I think that could that could vanish away into the ether um i'd like to try to ignore i'd like to still think the doctor was just having people on with the baby talk oh yeah yeah well, I'll tell you, I don't watch Game of Thrones. Okay. I watched a couple, three episodes. Yes. I find it to be very boring. Okay, sure. Um, people tell me I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe if I keep pushing through, I just don't feel like it. All the gratuitous nudity isn't enough for you, huh? Doesn't, I know where I can find nudity on the internet. <laughs> okay. It's, 20, no, it's 2016. Fair point. Fair and point. Uh, so, yeah, it's what is it that actor said? One of the actors accidentally gave out some spoilers, and they were like, "Hey, you just you just did spoilers. What do you think about that?" He's like, "Oh, come on, it's all just tits and dragons." <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't think Maisie Williams is that great of an actress. Oh, I found her very boring. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of people were like, "Game of Thrones in my Doctor Who," and I think a lot of people just swallow that up just sure. because they sure. like. I don't know. I, I think they like that, liking it more than they like it. I, I, I get you, and I I would agree. She she was not as strong as I would have liked her to have been. I think had this been her only time, if they hadn't kept her on as a recurring after this, I would have been like, okay, you know, it you know is what it is. It's fine. I didn't think it was that bad, but it gets worse when she's supposed to be playing an, an immortal later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's worse. Yeah, but um, I I agree. I think. Uh, I'm trying to think what else, man. I just I mean, it, it was it was it's what I'd call. Except for the baby talk and, and some of the overly done comedy bits there with the training sequence, um, to me it's it's what I'd almost call like a stock Doctor Who. It's it's by the numbers Doctor Who to me, at least New Who. It's not really anything terribly exciting and new, but it wasn't god awful. You know, it's as you, as you say, eh, like it was, it was there. Giving it a five right in the middle. Yeah, I'm because there's anything there's not too much that I that I I mean I do hate the baby talk, but besides yeah. that. There's nothing I hated about it. It just didn't excite me. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, I'll be a little kind of going to go six again on this. Yeah. So we'll jump into the next one. The woman who lived. The woman who lived. Where is she? Is she what's her name? Is Shelda? Is Shelda? 
Uh, she's decided. She's lived so long. Uh-huh. She's going to call herself me. Yeah. And this I hate. Mm-hmm. And I hate this because she's calling herself me so that at the second to the last episode of of the series, mm-hmm. the doctor can say, the hybrid is me. And everybody at home can go, oh, no, the doctor's the hybrid. That's crazy. No. No, it's not that. Yeah. He's talking about her. Yeah. I mean, that's just really stupid, right? It's a cheap cop-out. It's... it's... I don't care how long I live. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call myself Kev or Kevin (laughs) or some variation of that. Mm -hmm. Even if you call yourself me after hundreds of years, isn't calling yourself me going to have the same boring effect as calling yourself a shilder after so long? Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's insulting. I'll, That's I'll, what I don't like. I don't like it was insulting. As much as I, uh, as much, as much as I was having trouble coming up re- recounting some of the particulars of Under the Lake, this one is terribly forgettable for me. All, all I remember about this one is, uh, yes, Shilder is a highwayman now, for no reason. We don't get Clara. Clara, is, this is a Clara Light episode, uh, so that the Doctor can really bond with Shilder as because she desperately wants to be a companion, but he's not having it. Oh no. And she's pissed because he made her an immortal. And even I thought that is a little irresponsible of him to, to make her an immortal like that, by the way. Um, which, of course, begs the other question back to the girl who died for a second. That, is she the hybrid? Which they beg, they say it right there. Like, oh, would that make her like a hybrid? Ooh, hybrid. <laughs> um, Let's talk more about me. Yeah. Okay, Kevin. Because, <laughs> because this goes back... To one of my least favorite James Bond jokes. Okay. The only reason that gal is named Christmas. Oh, right. Is because at the end of the movie he can say, I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Uh That's the only reason that character's named that. And this is the only reason that this character's named that. For a stupid, cheap... It wasn't a joke in this case. Mm, It's even worse here because it's supposed to be something intense. It's supposed to be something intense that throws you off, but it but it's meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's 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 just um it feels like it's the episode where the doctor has a temporary companion who's immortal, where they get to have lots of conversations about the nature of immortality and the ups and downs of such things. Uh, there's some Lion King guy in the background who apparently has some kind of bad plot, I don't know, that almost kills a dude but doesn't and and has an invasion but doesn't. And he gets the other chip, and I presume he lives forever too. I don't. Know. I was trying. I was actually going to ask you that because, yeah, I'm. Mean, they were destined to fall in love or whatever. Uh, I, I guess. Or oh no, wait. I think he also said, oh no, after the whole burnout, he should be fine. He probably it just brought him back to life, but he's not going to be immortal because of all this rigmarole. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, but, but maybe like they don't definitively answer it either way, and it really made me go, yeah, way to go, writers. Like you know, what what are we doing here? Um. It just feels so, I don't know. And that's my other thing, too. I've seen other shows that cover the whole, oh, my God, what's it like to be immortal thing. Uh, you know, you can get that from the vampires on Buffy, you know, for God's sake. So how could we got it a little bit in The Five Doctors with Rassilon? You know, it's like we've, we've, we've done this before. There's some nice little bits of dialogue. But overall, it just felt like so been there, done that. And I remember just, I watched this one twice, dude. And it's like in one ear out the other. I was really alleged, like, uh, okay, um, he, all right. And I think there was some some business with uh, the whole highwayman subplot and the doctor being having to talk his way out of those other seventeenth century guys and yeah. yeah and 
blah blah blah. I just yeah, it, it this is this is def- definition of bland new who to me. I'm going to give this one a 3 because I, I find the me stuff insulting. Yeah, and it it just it has no impact, it has no urgency to me. It's it and as you say, you know, uh Maisie Williams wasn't selling it to me that she's some immortal who's been around for hundreds of years. Really boring. Yeah. I found it very boring. It is boring with a capital B. Um so yeah, I will I will I'm gonna be really harsh and give this a two. Oh wow. Yeah, I just I really this one could disappear and I would never I could I would like to trade this for a missing episode. Could I do that? Can I do that from now on? Can I just take episodes of New Who that are just not worthy and just hand it can I please have a Trouton? Two Troutons, please. Thank you. Well, that sounds good to me. That's right. I'll even take the Space Pirates, an equally boring episode that at least is Trouton. So that's all I can say. Um anyways. Uh so so there goes the girl and the woman. Um Ah, the Zygon two-parter. The Zygon invasion and the Zygon inversion. Yeah. Um, this is one of those ones where I, I, I say, I want to like this one. I really want to like it. But, and it's got moments. I mean, there's the infamous speech. Every, every time you think about it, you always think about that speech. It went around the internet. Capaldi acted his socks off. It was a great bit. It was a great speech, wonderful sentiment. It doesn't save the episode. No. Um... And I and I it's weird for me to say that because I like my Zygons. I love Zygons. I'm a I I dig Zygons to death. But um, this just felt like what is it? It was a big ISIS kind of terrorist thing right. going on. Right. And it it was trying to play this card about how like because uh, I I think that's it too. It was continuing a story from Day of the Doctor that although not satisfactorily resolved in that episode, I'd rather just let that go off into the realm of big finish and fan fiction or novels to get, if it has to get wrapped up somewhere, do it there. I don't need it in the show. Um, so that's one. Tell you what, and they also changed the rules again. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's fun to know yes. that the the real version of this person yeah. is alive somewhere and keeping yeah. that clone alive. Yes, yes, that rule, yes, they changed that rule to make it a mystery. Is as good as Zygon or not? And the way I look at it is, um, I subscribe to classic rules, so it's the real Osgood. You're not fooling me. That's the way I read it the whole episode. I'm like, you're trying to fool me. You're trying to tell me this other rule. BS. It's the real Osgood. And the way I looked at it is, she's lying to save her own skin to make sure to try to keep this peace. That's the way I read it. And I've only seen this. I haven't seen this since this aired. Um, was Osgood definitively... No, yeah, we don't know. We don't know if she's Osgood or not. Like from back in Day of the Doctor, um, or not Day of the Doctor. Where did she die? Uh, oh, the one that died. It's uh, Death in Heaven. Okay, so yeah. we don't know if that was a Zygon or her. We didn't know at the time. They tried to play it like we don't know. We still don't know. And I think the Im- I feel like the implication at the end is it it had to be been a human because the other Zygon takes that place of the double um, Osgood. All right. Listen, here's the one thing that I really didn't like about this episode is mm-hmm. when the unit soldiers oh, yeah. are narrowing down clearly where the Zygons are yeah. inside this like house. Was church, it a house? A church. A church. Yeah. And suddenly the Zygons are like, hey, I'm your mom. And they're not like, sure, Zygon, yeah. come on out. I'll give you a hug. Yeah. It's not that. No. Nope. You've got to come inside here. I'm your mom. And they're all, they're all. 
yep. stupid enough to go, well, it sounds like my mom's in there. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how all, the, all, the, all their loved ones come out, and they're all fooled. Well, they try at first to resist, but then they're like, I don't, I don't know. And but I love how they stop answering questions with decent answers. Just come inside. Just come inside. And I'm yeah, like, they couldn't even answer questions. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, guys. I get the point you're making that what if they show up as your loved one? Could you kill your mother or whatever? I, I see that. But on the other yes. hand, they've got to be... They, what? No, I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> That's that's too inside. I'm sorry. They, they've got to. They've of course they've, not. I love you, mom. <laughs> they've got to have. Um, they've got to. They've got to have training. That's the way I look at it. It's like give me a break here. They look like such chumps. They look like worse than red shirts from Star Trek to go in there and do that. It's yeah. Like, give me a break. So yeah, that that killed a lot for me right there. It's nice to see um, Kate Lethbridge Stewart back investigating and uh, shooting his eye on there. Boy, even the even the cliffhanger didn't do much for me. I did like how uh, Clara, from being you know mentally part uh, you know Zygon, uh, had some control on her double and was affecting how she had her aim with the bazooka for the. the oh plane. yeah, I thought that was a nice little bit. I liked that. I was cool with that. There was just a lot of other stuff where like the, what was it? The, and I think it was all kind of murky to me because it's like okay, there's a there's a rebel faction of Zygons who wanted to break away and. Like like ex- expose Zy- Zygons and create this war with the humans and I don't know a sort of sort of pertwee-esque kind of kind of story there but I think at the end of the day goals felt murky it didn't feel very well defined at the end of the day yeah you just had a broker of peace the doctor does it with a big old speech and things kind of go back to the way they were it just I don't know I feel like nothing even terribly significant happens it just sort of feels like it's a runaround with Zygons and it try to be allegorical. Now, how did it how did it end? Because there was the button, right? Mm-hmm. If you press this button, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens? There's two buttons. Yeah, yeah. It basically it's like I think they boiled down to peace and war, like the like the James Bond movie where the key turns from peace to war. But but, <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't tell you which button was but which right, button. Right, right. And and I think they willingly would also like forgot they did that whole forget memory thing that's in that room from that they established in Day of the Doctor. Right. Yeah. Yeah, man. It it's yeah. I again, you tell me. Oh, it's unit and Zygons. All right, sweet. And oh, okay. Ooh, I mean, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I did like. Osgood's wearing Peter Davison shirt. Uh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Question marks. Under the. Under her sweater. Yeah. Under the. Sylvester. Jumper, that's right. right. She wears a Sylvester yeah. jumper too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. It was for you, so it's a good thing you like it. <laughs> I like that. I'll give it a little half point for that. But, you know, everybody who loved this one is like, wow, Doctor Who got really political and it's a good anti-war stance. Yeah. I, I need more than that for it to be a good episode. Yeah. I mean, look, th- there have been other episodes that are certainly have the same sentiment and they're still entertaining Doctor Who episodes. Heck, half those environmental episodes, the perch we had... I still find most of those entertaining, even though they got that environmental message, you know, backing it up. You can do both. It can yeah. be done. <laughs> um, I, I mean, we're, I, I know this was liked by a lot of people. Um, this was one of the ones that people were saying, oh, in future, when they talk about the Capaldi era, this will be the episode they bring out to represent. And I'm like, uh, maybe. What will be the episode? I'm not sure. That's a good question. Is it coming up? Is it the second last one? It might be. All right. What's next? Oh, uh, we haven't rated this. I'll give it a five. (laughs) Uh, uh, 
I guess I'm there. Oh, man, it's so hard. It's because it isn't god awful. It just was not compelling. I'm gonna go four point five. Whoa! I didn't know we were allowed points. Yeah, do your points, man. If you gotta have a point, do All it. Right. Um. So yes, then we get uh, sleep no more. Some more. Some more. <laughs> I feel like a lot of what we want to say about this season we've already done in our comedy skits. Um, Was that Sleep No More already? I'm pretty sure, because then it's the final... Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Sleep No More, man. Uh, the only true standalone of the season. Uh, yeah, this has got awful. Yo, gosh. This one was terrible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's awful. It's it's truly awful. It's uh, it's it's dumb. Yeah. Yep. They're trying to do aliens. They're trying to do the classic, well, now classic, uh, found footage horror movie. So the idea that this stuff could eat you alive if you don't brush it out of your eye every day is kind of asinine, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a nice idea in the same way the Weeping Angels were a very simple idea to take something kind of ordinary and make it kind of menacing. It's a very Hitchcockian idea. It's nice. I think here it fails miserably. And, uh, yeah. And I and I guess this was written to be a two-parter, and then it got crunched into a single-parter, so that's why it's a little herky-jerky on some of the, the transitions. Um, oh, God, can you imagine another episode? Uh, no. And, oh, and half the problem, too, is that uh, we find out that the narrator of the episode is basically the bad guy. It's a Kaiser Sose situation. Unreliable narrator. So so what can we believe happened beyond something sort of happened on this station? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, And they even say at the end, hey, none of this makes any sense. And it's like, well, yeah, because we're dealing with a narrator who's kind of lying to us. So we don't even know what was real, what wasn't, and what we should be invested in. And what was the whole point of the journey? And, uh, you know, and then what's his name? Rasmussen re- reveals that he's actually a Sandman. And and maybe because we've been watching it, we're going to get it in our eyes, too. And and maybe the villains won because his signal's actually gotten out. It's like, uh, no. And this is the first one. I think the first time I tried watching it, I fell asleep. <laughs> but I think I was tired. Okay. So I couldn't blame it on the episode. Okay. And then I watched it the second time, yeah. and I was like, "Man, this is just terrible." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, it it's 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 extremely derivative of all these other things, as I said, horror movies like Blair Witch and and Paranormal Activity and Aliens and and oh, and the I'll tell you this: I like the kernel of an idea that um, what happens to a society when you invent a way to avoid sleep. Kind of cool. It's a very sci-fi idea. I don't think Doctor Who's really heavily delved into that before. Um, I was intrigued with that when I saw the trailer. Oh, okay. And the whole little the the, the Morpheus machines. That little part, that little bit where the Doctor's investigating that stuff, and he that's cool. But then when he's making all these leaps about oh this is bad, why is it bad? Well, because almost right away he knows it's about the sleep gunk in your eye, and it's and these are sleep gunk monsters. And as soon as they revealed they were literally sleep gunk monsters, I'm like, wow. <laughs> And this isn't uh, this isn't a parody. This isn't a skit. This isn't cartoon. This isn't some YouTube video where someone's just having some fun. Nope, it's legit Doctor Who. Yeah, there is the idea. I think it's interesting to explore the idea of, of an episode that the Doctor can't win. And I mean, just to happen once. Okay. All right. 
actually, the kind of episode you're talking about to me, they sort of did already in the Davison era when often he would be in the middle of something kind of out of his control and his everyone around him would practically die except his companions. You know, there should have been another way, that kind of thing. You know, they, they kind of did that already. I'm not saying you can't do it again. Um... There's a great big finish, actually, that does this, too, called Creatures of Beauty, where he pretty much... It's all about... Because Fifth Doctor does desperation so well. So, yeah, you can do that. I think here... Um, I just don't think it works here at all. I think I think if you're going to do it, don't make it against stupid sleep gunk monsters. I mean... Yeah, know. I would like it to be against <laughs> something formidable. Yeah. Um, and, and, oh, man. It's just... It, it, yeah, it, that's my ultimate thing. A lot of it just doesn't seem to make sense and not in a good way. Not where you come away like David Lynch going, oh, it's so weird, it didn't make sense, but it's kind of a cool head trip. No, it wasn't even a cool head trip. It was... I don't even know what to say that was. Um, or even cool dream logic. It was just, oh, man. And then there's the whole thing where they talk about uh, what is it that they're uh, they're susceptible? What is it they're they're into s- sounds? That's how they find you, right? And and then the, he keeps using all these grav platings to to disintegrate the monsters. And I I don't I don't know. And then it's it's shot so weird it's hard to even follow some stuff. Like there's a bit where Rasmussen's supposed to be dead for a minute, and it shot so strangely. I didn't even know he was dead. I just thought oh he he's out cold maybe in the other room. Oh, he's supposed to be... Oh, but he's not dead. So none of that had any weight. Um, And I understand that might have been half the point of the episode, but it doesn't know favors. It's just... God almighty. I... uh, I, We did right by parodying this one in our skit show, man. I... Well, that uh, was all you. (laughs) Okay. But it was well done. (laughs) Anyways. um, uh, Oh, God. I'm giving this one the deuce. The deuce? Because that's what it gave me. (laughs) Does that translate to two? That translates to two. I, it uh, also translates to poop. I want to like, <laughs> like kill the moon. I um I really want to give. I hate it so much. I want to give it a zero, but purely on the basis of there was a kernel of a good idea there about the human society not sleeping. Uh, I will give it a one. <laughs> I will give it a one on that basis. Okay. <laughs> but, oh my gosh. Uh, another one that where could I trade this in for two heart nails, please? Ah, <laughs> um, uh, yes, parts one and two of Marco Polo. Thank you. Um, anyways, uh, face the Raven, uh, Lordy Lord. Um, well, I mean, I like I actually like seeing Rigsy from Flatline come back. I like the mystery of the tattoo. Uh, I like the weird Harry Potterness of discovering this strange street. It's very Neverwhere, actually, by Neil Gaiman. If you ever read it or seen it. Uh, so I like that, um, and the investigation part. I um, speaking of Neverwhere, yeah. I saw the BBC production of that. Yeah, and Peter Capaldi played like the angel of Islington. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, the uh, actually, you know that the guy who played the Marquis in that uh, was supposed to. He was written as a doctor. That's how Neil Gaiman wrote it. Yeah, uh, jo- Joseph Joseph Patterson, Joseph Patterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Peep Show. Yes. Um, and a number of other things. I heard rumors that he was actually cast as the Doctor before Matt Smith. I heard that rumor by, too. By Stephen Moffat. And mm-hmm. then the BBC were like, uh, yeah, you got to check these things with us. And it's not going to be him. Uh, I've heard that rumor too. Especially when, if you look at the time he was doing the remake of Survivors. At the end of that season, he was shot. And the idea would be, oh, uh, if he goes and does Doctor Who, his character's dead. But because he didn't do Doctor Who, oh, he made a recovery the next season and... He's off. He was also in 
Bad Wolf. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was terrible in it, but it was a stupid part. It was a stupid part. He did fine for the, what the part called for. But he's awesome. I think he'd make a great doctor. He would. It based purely on what he did in Neverwhere. I, I remember seeing that at the time thinking, hey, he'd make a really good doctor. That would be really cool. Um, maybe one day we will still see that. I don't know. I would like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, In 20 years when Capaldi leaves. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, but I... Uh, yeah, I... Okay, so the big thing of this, of course, is the, the death of Clara. And my thing with this is, um, so you have kind of a stock mystery, which is kind of there to be kind of resolved in like 15 minutes, which is kind of a shame because in a classic who you could spend like a two episodes or something on that. Right. But all right, uh, let's get to the, the, the real meat is, uh, Clara dies because of her recklessness, uh, because she tries too much to be like the doctor and rushes in headstrong and doesn't think it out. I like this as a concept. I really do. I think that's kind of a different way to go. It's not, oh, I found a guy and got married. Or, oh, I just died arbitrarily, you know, like Adric. And this goes um, back even to last season, to mm-hmm. the previous season, where he's told her a number of times, you know, I'm the doctor. Mm-hmm. You're not the doctor. I'm right. the doctor. Yeah. And she tries so hard to be the doctor. She tries too hard. Which we saw fairly successfully in Flatline. I think my problem with this is I wish that had been better tracked in this season. We I saw very few instances up to this point of Clara stepping up to try to be the doctor and doing something reckless and nearly getting herself killed. Or, oh, it, it panned out, but only almost by luck, not really by design. I think that kind of thing would have really given this episode impact. And instead, as you lead up to this, we have an episode where she's not even there in Woman Who Lived. We have a two-parter where she's effectively not there. It's a doppelganger in the Zygon two-parter. Um, she's mostly hanging around with the master and being stuck in a Dalek in the premiere. She's kind of doing a little of that in Under the Lake, but it's not enough. Um, yeah, I just I just felt like it wasn't adequately built in. You kind of have to take it as read in the episodes. As a matter of fact, the biggest thing you see is her being crazy and hanging out of the TARDIS when it's floating in air. And I'm like, but she's being all, woohoo! And okay, points for not being Tegan and being a whiner about it. Yay for that. But that was kind of crazy. It was like, why would you hang out of the TARDIS where you could probably fall out for real? And she's totally cool with it. She's like, all right. Yeah, she did laugh. She laughed at us. She was coming across like a crazy person. And I think there's a borderline to, I'm having fun to, maybe you should have a little bit of legitimate concern. So, okay. So you get to the actual uh, Raven scene, which I also spoofed in our skit show because I didn't like how the scene was done. Again, I, I like the sentiment. But they they almost don't go through any decent alternatives to save her. It's just, oh, you did this. Uh, you changed the contract. There's no way out. Sorry, you're dead. And there's they don't even go through. Like I kept going, like, what are the rules here? Why does the contract do that? Why can't somebody else take it off of you? Why can't a shielder do it because she's immortal? The doctor do it. He can regenerate. How come you can't rewrite the contract? How come you can't put her in the stasis booth? How come she can't even try and run? Like, what... What are the, it's just, oh, no, that's it. They, they, they barely touch on it because, of course, the real thing is emotional core of I'm going to die, goodbye to the doctor, weep, 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 and slow motion Raven for three minutes while she falls <laughs> to her very slow death. And uh, so I can't get that, I can't get that teared up about her leaving because I didn't think it was handled that well. Um, I, I like Jenna Coleman. Um, she's very easy on the eyes, and she's had some good episodes, but I think she's always been a bit mishandled uh, as a character from being kind of a, a good potential character with the, the alternate Claras in Season 7, then kind of almost a non-cipher character in Season 7B, and then making her suddenly much more spiky and, 
and stuff with Capaldi. She played, and they, I don't know. I just feel like, oh, and all the Danny Pink stuff. I'm sorry, in season eight. And I'm just kind of going like, I feel like they never quite knew what they were doing with her. And uh, it, it never quite pans out. Well, when, when this episode aired, and when I said, if that's it for her, then well done. Okay. All I right. meant... I meant it mainly because, well, maybe not even well done. It's just like, all right. And my all right was like, usually if you're going to spend that much time, I mean, it was her death. Yeah, okay. And she was just, it was just dragging out. Mm-hmm. But if it's dragging out because it's her death, mm-hmm. then I get it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even her death. No, not really. Because and this is Moffat, man. He doesn't let anybody stay dead. Not really. They all have to come back. I mean, fucking be, hell, man. Preferably, we've also got to meet him as kids. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't think anybody's escaped that one. Not even the doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or River. I could keep going. But anyways, um, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. And it's, it, it's so it, especially knowing now what they end up doing with her and what a fake out this is. It's just like, really? It, it, you're right. Had this closed the book on her, so be it. But let's face it. I think the stronger exit for her would have been either Death in Heaven or possibly even Last Christmas. Both of those gave her perfectly adequate character outs. Yes. And I think would have been better than what we got with Face of Raven. Because I think it was it was trying too hard to force it on you and force the emotion on you. Um, so as I said, I, I like some of the setup. I like the mystery. I like seeing Riggsy and the weird magicalness of the, of the weird street. And I like the sentiment behind why she died. But I think everything else in the execution just falls flat for me. Um... I don't know what else to say about this one. I mean, I, I remember there was the weird two-headed girl in it that, that didn't really seem to do much beyond say cryptic things. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I uh, Yeah, I got really very little here. Um, boy, we're such fans, aren't we? Uh, so I, I think I'm... Uh, lordy. Um, I wanted to be generous and give this like a seven, but I don't think I can do that. I think I got a... I gotta stick to my guns and, and go like five. I think I'm going with four. Okay. Just because you spent so much time on that death. Yeah. And it wasn't and it, a death. And it doesn't, yeah. And I think you're right. If we had rated, rated this right as it aired, I would have been a little more generous because I would have tried to take it at face value, but we can't. Ugh. So then we get to what I think is probably the highlight of the season, which is Heaven Sent. Um. I'm I'm a big, big... Kevin, you know something? I'm a big fan of mysteries in Doctor Who. I like the Doctor solving mysteries. whether Especially if they're weird mysteries. I like that. And you must like this, at least for the, the perspective that you get almost pure, pure Capaldi. It's, That's right. Right it's into my veins. No, del, no diluted <laughs> guest stars at all. It's, it's Capaldi all the way. Um, and he does a fine job. He does a great job with this. Um... It's uh, it's it's one of those that if you really pick at the premise, it can fall apart a little bit, but um, it mostly works. And, and here's the th- for me, you get the idea that he's doing this over and yeah. over, and to me, there's a there's a, a I don't know what the limit is, mm-hmm. but I think there's a a good chunk of that where I can I can go along with that. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about billions of years. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> that is the one failing of the episode for me is the, well, we, we talked about this, the idea that this isn't just, oh, uh, the doctor just kind of resets. No, you're saying he literally dies and a copy of him remanifests in the teleporter 
And he goes through this over and over and over again to the point where we've effectively said that our doctor is truly dead. And we are now looking at copy number four billion. Yeah. And I'm not sure I like that. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of move that out of my conscious mind. when I It's kind of like, like some of these, uh, superhero TV shows that are on right now Mm -hmm. where sometimes it turns out one of them is set in a parallel universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who is that? Is that the flash now? Uh, yeah, they got the Earth Two thing going on Flash. See, I want if I'm if I'm invested in the Flash, yeah. I want him to be my Flash. Sure, mm-hmm. but he's not. He's Flash some other universe. Yeah. So this is right. If you want to watch Kirk, you don't want to watch Mirror Kirk, right? Correct. Okay. Um, and yeah, this is a clone of our hero. Mm-hmm. Effectively, even though he's playing it like he's not. And but that's what a clone would do, right? What I also don't care for beyond that that sent beyond that core idea that it's not really the doctor it's four billionth copy is the idea that um he did this he went the long way around for what like to me yeah the doctor is the ultimate talker deceiver you know especially if you're talking guys like the seventh doctor and to a certain degree the tenth doctor um why wouldn't he just say what he thinks they want to hear to get out of the thing, to, well, to confront the time? Why go through all that? Well, especially because as soon as he does it, mm-hmm. then he blabs. Yeah, then he said, well, he says it for the audience's sake. We got to we gotta hope the Time Lords weren't listening in. Even if they did, I guess it doesn't matter. Wasn't point, he... What? That was alone? That wasn't uh, anything? More or less. Else? I mean, a, a kid randomly runs up to him, but I don't think he was in earshot when he says it. Okay. Yeah, and he's certainly nowhere near the Citadel. It'd only be if the Citadel had a had a camera aimed over there and was like, oh, that when he comes out of that dial. That's another weird thing. So the Time Lords had the dial. And I like the I, I did like the idea that they used a, a shielder as a trap to bring the Doctor there and put the bracelet on him and bring him over. I like that idea, though I didn't know it was going to be the Time Lords. But okay, it's the Time Lords. Fine, fair enough. So they bring him over, and... Um, uh, and this is where it gets convoluted with that confession dial, like, where like he, he goes into the dial, lives in the dial, comes out of the dial, now the dial's on Gallifrey. So it made me go like, so why didn't they just beam him to Gallifrey? Or if they put him in the dial, okay, why did they leave the dial out in the middle of the desert? Why wasn't this somewhere in the <laughs> Unless the kid ran it out there. Yeah, it really should be. There should be a bunch of Time Lords like, Doctor's still in there, huh? Yep. yep. No, it's just yeah. in the fucking desert. It's, it is, <laughs> I never it, even thought about that. It's, it's like Rasslin was like, screw this guy after so long and just frisbeed it out into the desert and was like, he's never coming out of there. Oh, he came out? Oh, okay. You know, it's very like, what? Um, yeah, I, we're getting into Hellbent. Let me stay on Hell. I mean, they, they kind of are a two-parter, but I'm looking at them separately. Um, the uh, But anyways... His, his performance is great. You do get that sense of, of, of a great sense of time and, and the repetition. I even like bits of the music, that weird electronic music when he's looking at the painting of uh, Clara that's flaking. It, it's, it's a little of that radiophonic vibe, you know, that, that kind of early Peter Davison. I, I'm such a sucker for any nuggets of old who in this thing. Uh, I like how creepy the veil is. I like the weird monitors and I like all the monologues that he does. That's all great. I even like the, the weird time loopiness of... Um, the, what is it, the, the wet clothes and the dry clothes, even though that implies the very first version of him was naked for a good chunk of it, but whatever. Um, or at least in his underclothes. Uh, oh, and by this point, in Face the Raven, a little side note, we now have the red velvet coat, which I like a lot. I think is an oh, awesome yeah. look for Peter Capaldi. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
um, and I put together as a costume. So I, a big thumbs up there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a head scratcher. I've heard this episode was going to be pitched as a big finish audio I think for Paul McGann, it seems to fit McGann the best, but mm. it, it, I could see any of the doctors potentially doing it. But I think it was, and I thought that's interesting because I could totally see this fitting in as an experimental big finish audio, especially considering it's mainly the doctor. He's talking to himself and I could see this train. And then for whatever reason, he, he went and made this into an episode for better or for worse. Um, there is a lot to like, as I said, I think our big thing is just, it's the, it's the multi-billionth copy and really breaking down the, the, reasoning for the doctor to do this because i don't know my, that's another thing like what happened in magician's apprentice i'm like why are we taking so long to get to this point where normally in the classic series he would have just gone there and and then dealt with it and then he'd be on gallifrey dealing with it would actually more of this two-parter would have been on gallifrey probably and um and and you build in the fact that if you look at Day of the Doctor, he saved them all. He saved Gallifrey. He made sure Gallifrey wasn't destroyed, granted, at rewrites time. Yeah, why is so, why do they hate him? So they kind of hate on him. For... They hate him because he knows what will destroy Gallifrey in the future, right? Yeah, which is a prophecy which also holds a little weight with me because it was so ill set up in the season, so very vaguely done. I didn't know this was the payoff. It's never been mentioned before in any of the other episodes as a thing that could happen even as an aside. So I don't know the consequences. And if you're telling me this now, I don't know how serious to take it. And the answer for me is not very because you're just telling me this now. So it, that to me was also badly handled. But okay, taking on face value that it's this big bad prophecy and they want to get it out of the doctor. Okay, fine. But yeah, there's better ways to go about doing this. And the, do the doctor being such a kind of, I don't know, like a jerk. And, you know, we're bleeding now into Hellbent. Screw it. We're talking Hellbent now, too. But okay. um, but for him to start talking about, you know, drawing the land in the sand and having that weird bit with his Amish barn folk that keep going back to the barn, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, the barn. Um, I presume this is sort of a, a an evolution of the... Um, Oh, God, the, you know, the... Well, he's, I mean, he's mainly pissed off at Rassilon for putting him through the four billion years, right? Well, yeah, but, I mean, that's part of it, but that was also kind of his choice to do that. Well, I mean, it was his choice, but it was... Screw Rassilon. <laughs> that's not a, it's not a good choice. It, I don't know, the whole idea there... I mean, they're, I mean, he was a prisoner... And what was the what was the deal? They they say it in a toss off line in the episode too that oh the confession dial was is designed. It was never designed as a torture chamber. It was designed to be like a, a thing where, uh, yeah, you say your I guess say your confessions quickly and get out. It was a very odd thing. I remember looking at it going, "That's an interesting payoff." But what what does that really mean? Because they they talk about it like it's a time lord will, and I'm like, so it's like a really super crazy fancy dictaphone that you dictate your. <laughs> <laughs> dictate your confessions into how does that translate into a will that's more like a something you give to a priest why would you if it's a will that's something you prepare very meticulously and that that's why i was very confused about the yeah i'm like i don't think this is very well thought through but um yeah i i don't know i mean yeah and in, in this version of rasslon who's no longer cool and timothy dalton he clearly hates uh the doctor um and, but then the doctor, like, I love how it's like, hey, this guy's a war here, and we're not going to listen to you anymore, Rassilon, and I guess he just stands out there in the desert for the rest of the episode, because we never, we never see him again. 
Well, he's been banished, right? I guess, sure. And then we get the Sisterhood of Karn, who's just there for fan service. There's really no reason to be there. Yeah, and then we get the digital wraiths that look good, but they don't do anything, really. They Yeah, shit got weird. It just got weird, and it didn't pay off. Oh, but there's random Daleks and Cybermen in here. And I'm like, when did the Daleks and Cybermen ever get to the heart of Gallifrey and try to get in there? It's just weird. Yeah, it just it just became, oh, wouldn't that be like, it's back to, wouldn't that be a cool image? Yeah, write it in. Why is that really there? I don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then the whole thing where they can't go in to stop them because of these these wraiths that never po- cause him any problems so he can go into a plate in the floor and somehow they escape into a TARDIS. It just felt very convenient. Uh, but then we get back to the thing of undoing Clara's death, which was such a cop-out. I mean, I think I might have gone with it if he did it to get a piece of information and he desperately tries to save her, but at the end, as it almost does, there's this whole thing where, oh, we can't really escape this. She's still, she's not truly alive. I, he... I would have liked it better if he had faced up to the fact he couldn't save her. So, although he tried and maybe she gave him one last bit of help, whatever, with these time lords, and then she'd have to go back. And I think that still could have kind of worked as a poignant ending between the two of them, but no. No, that's not it at all. She's going to fly off in her own TARDIS. Which I... Listen, when they got in that TARDIS, Mm -hmm. and they were flying away... I really like that interior. Oh sure, yeah, that interior was gorgeous. That that right, I mean, that's nerd boner right there. I mean, come on, that's that's like the Hartnell room. And I've I've always you know had the plan where after I make my first two to three million dollars, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to make a Davison console room mm-hmm. in my palatial mm-hmm. estate. Yes. And when I was watching that episode, I was like, "Is it going to have to be this one instead?" Yeah, because it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing. And then. A shielder and Clara took it, and it became the Kitty Tardis. And yeah. I can't, I can't. The I diner can't do Tardis it. became the diner Tardis. Yeesh. Yeah, man, all that diner business too, just to fake out the audience for no reason. Yeah, give me, give me any reason that that had to be a diner. Um, to to be a giant fake out, it's a diner, but the Tardis, and it's a shielder, and, and it's the Clara. same one that Amy and Rory were in. Right. So somehow they were part of that too, to sort of. Make it look like he had it planned all along. I, I don't know. I think, um, and, and the fake out that you think the whole time she's forgotten him, but it's the other way around. Well, I think that's fine to do yeah. with the audience. Um, so the doctor is breaking all these rules because mm-hmm. he's trying to save Clara, mm-hmm. which, fine, fine. Uh, but he's doing a shit ton of work for her. Mm-hmm. And then she says, and, and then he says, oh, listen. Uh, I'm sorry it came down to this, but I have to erase your memory mm-hmm. of me. Just of me. Mm-hmm. No! <laughs> the fuck you mean no? <laughs> she tampers with the whatever it is, the memory stick, and, and then we don't know which way it's going to go. Oh, my God. She has no right saying no to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. That pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah. And now the doctor's forgotten all of his adventures with her, or do they? Does yeah, he remember now? Did, did he make that, her remember? That's hazy. It's like he kind of remembers the whatever the creatures need, but he just doesn't kind of remember her, which is very odd. I just went like, all right, whatever, whatever. Super convenient. Um, yeah, I just feel like that that ending was a big mess. And I, again, it's another thing. Wow, Karn, Time Lords, I'm Gallifrey, Hartnell Console Room. This should be awesome. No, it's not. 
And they don't even get into what's up with the weird Amish people that he's hanging out with either. There's an implication that like that they're like uh, an orphanage or it's maybe his mom or aunt or something. And I don't even know. But he and he mad and he's got a cool suit in there that he can change into to to eat his soup. <laughs> <laughs> and stand up against Time Lord soldiers. Um, wasn't uh, there something about the spoon being his weapon or something like that? Right. Yes, a callback to Robin Hood. Yeah, but he didn't use it like that. I don't know. It's very disappointing. I just think it's uh, it's a lot of potential and not a lot of actual fruition of said potential. I would put this as a five, but the whole me bullshit, yeah, takes it down to three because it's there's they cre- and they create this whole thing and it's like you wrote in that sketch. What is the what is the the hybrid? Is it the doctor? Is it the doctor and Clara? Is it Clara and Ishilda? Is Ishilda the hybrid? It doesn't fucking matter. No, it doesn't, it doesn't matter in the end. I love how they we think we're going to finally get a definitive. They, they seem to say it's Ishilda, and I, as far as I'm concerned, it probably is. But then they mm. seem to really say at the end, it could. I love could be you, half human. They do the half human thing, and he's like blah, and I'm like great, thank thanks for that, that Moffat bringing that up again, and then. There's the, they seem to try to say it is, it is the doctor and Clara are the hybrid. That's my impression. That was the impression you're supposed to come away with, even though that's not even a definitive answer. And part of me is like, well, one thing, Moffat, stick to your answer. If that's your answer, say it's your answer. Two, I think it is a dumb answer. That's not truly a hybrid to me. That's a partnership. And it's not a, it's not a mystery that needed to be brought up. No. But you created this mystery for us to think about yeah. for a good chunk of the season yeah. and then you don't answer it. No. And and oh, uh, they don't even really cause the fall of Gallifrey. I mean, okay, the what is it? Uh, they say he will be he will be present at the at the ruins of Gallifrey. Well, he was. He was sitting there talking to a shoulder. And so, and Clara was in the TARDIS. TARDIS. So technically it's true. It's like as you say about the fall of Trenzalore, the TARDIS fell on Trenzalore. It's like, well, that's not really I think what was okay. That's kind of too literal to be interesting. Uh, and that's kind of what it is. It's like, but they didn't really cause anything. Not really. So it's like, so there's all this fear about this prophecy for nothing. So fear of prophecy for nothing doesn't really matter who the hybrid is anyways. And it, so the whole thing was just a giant, you know, deflated bread. You know, it was just very diluted tea. You know, it's, it's very it's weak. It's very, doesn't punch. And it's very frustrating because you know you want it to be good. You want it to. You want them to deliver something neat, and uh, and they didn't. And it, and in the men in the midst of all the little side adventures, it was a lot of rehashed stuff. And I think that's my ultimate problem with the season. Um, despite little things that we liked, like the Hartnell Tardis console room. Um, God, yeah, um, yeah. I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even care when the shoulder came back. I'm like, oh, she's back again. Oh, okay, all right. Let's sure, whatever. Um, oh, 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 and we get, uh, I mean, as if we already had this with the Master, we get another Time Lord regenerating into a woman. Right. To uh, to hammer home that point that I'm sure Moffat, before he leaves, is really going to try and put a female doctor in there, um, I think. Um, but that actually says a lot right there that technically, technically, the doctor just t- took out a Gallifrey and Stazer and just killed a dude. Yeah, that was... It was unnecessary. Yeah. The, the yeah. killing. I don't have a problem with... I don't have a problem with anybody but the doctor regenerating into mm-hmm. a woman. <laughs> but the doctor... And, and I, I kind of do with the master as well. But that's... Mm-hmm. You know, I've had time to get over you that. Had time to, to, to heal the wounds. I, um... 
boy. How Hartnell was that console room? It was. I mean, it's not exact. They did a few minor liberties, but it's 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 very Hartnell. Because if I can convince myself that it's Hartnell, mm. then when I get my millions, I can still do it. Oh, okay. I see. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's so beautiful. Such a beautiful console room. I I have to admit, I almost was going to forgive a lot of this episode if it turned out the doctor was going to travel in that TARDIS from now on, or or decide. I like that room when he goes back to his other one. He'll flick a switch and it turns right. into that room like if we got that I mean we our, knew he had to go back to the TARDIS yeah. there was no question about but that but if he got that room yeah. to be his TARDIS because now it's built uh, I, I would have I oh my god I, I, I would I almost would have said okay all's forgiven Moffat but that's that's what a fanboy whore I am because I really did I mean I just sat there like I pro I had to have been smiling yeah it was it was it looks so nice but um, yeah so then that's right because when he does go back and he does the whole you know ooh and putting the velvet coat on, the doctory coat on, and we get the new sonic screwdriver, I guess is a way to say, okay, sonic sunglasses are gone, now we're we're back to this super blue glowy sonic, and I'm like, alright, it's another it's another iteration to sell more toys to the kids, that's great, but... I'm fine with the new sonic, I think it looks cool. It's, it's fine, I guess. It's, it's just, alright, he's got, he's, sure. I... I kind of I, I shrug my shoulders now at Sonic. At least it's not the sunglasses, so yay for that. But oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not rating them together. I'm sorry. I'm, let me go back to Heaven Sent, which I did generally like, despite those niggle. Look, if it wasn't for Carbon Copy Doctor and kind of the weirdness of why he had to go through that, if you just take it as hey, that's this cool time loop thing, and he and with his mystery and all that. And the, the very cool way it was shot, and the cool music, and all the greatness there, and the wonderfulness of Peter Capaldi, I will be generous and give that a 7. Hellbent, I'm going to give it 2. I'm literally giving it a point for the TARDIS console room. And going to say the rest just was a mess. It's, God, yeah. Is there anything else I would give it a point for? I'm really struggling. Would I, could I bump it to a 3? No, I'm sticking to a two. I just, I'm so, I'm so over how the season ended and how weak the whole arc was. It. <sighs> well, I'll go six for Heaven Sent. Heaven Sent. And okay. Then, and then three. Yeah. yeah. All right, fair enough. So let's round this off with the Husbands of River Song, a light Christmas frothy romp. Was it frothy? I don't know. It's a, it's a term. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Without question, mm-hmm. the highlight of this episode for me was, do you know what it is? I think I do. Why don't you guess what mine is? Peter Capaldi reacting to walking into the TARDIS. Yes. And, and being, oh my God. <laughs> Finally, it's my turn. Yeah. Is it my turn or my time? My turn. It's my turn. Everything I know about temporal <laughs> physics is thrown out the window or yeah. whatever he says. He yeah. is so great with yeah. that. No, that was fun. That was definitely fun. I mean, that's four points for me right there. Um, yeah, uh, and I like how, I mean, it's a little strange for credulity, but, uh, River does not know who he is for the bulk of the episode, so... Yeah, she's supposed to be smart, too. Yeah, she should have picked up on it way sooner, but that said, I like how it changed their dynamic. It, they weren't flirty the whole episode off the bat. They were playing it more like, uh, tradition. They were playing it more, to be honest, how I, I kind of always wanted the River Doctor relationship to be, where... She'd be this occasional weird guest character who's like this, you know, space archaeologist who kind of knows a bunch of stuff, you know, but not his wife. I never wanted her to be his wife. And tell so, you what, yeah, I'll I'll give an extra point right away for her saying, I never said the doctor loves me. 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't fucking love me. He doesn't love anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boom. Point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I dug that. It, it is definitely a little, uh, you know, the, the crazy Baymax-looking robot guy and the headless dude. I mean, it's a little silly, of course. Yeah, it's definitely silly. Um, I do like the fact that he's brought in under false pretenses as, as a doctor surgeon. She sees him. And uh, immediately it's this whole con she's pulling about being... And, and the continual joke that all of these guys are her husbands. I thought that was... That was... Yeah, it's well played. It's good comedy. Um, I didn't mind that. Um, and then the doctor playing up a little jealousy there. Uh, okay, fine. But... Um, uh, and and I, even though it's, it's contrived the way that she does that whole speech about, oh, and the doctor's this wonderful, amazing guy. And no way would he be here right now by my side. Yada, da, da, da. And I love at least the performance of how Kingston and Capaldi play that moment. And when he replies with the hello, sweet. Yes. That's great. Nice reversal. So I like that. The actual, if you break down the meat of the, the whole caper plot, it's a bit, it's kind of nonsense. But then again, it's a Christmas special. So, and look, I'd rather have this than Dr. Widow in the Wardrobe. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or End of Time. So, uh, absolutely. Um, but, um, so you have that. And we, we get the nice connection of River getting her Sonic. I, I dig that as a fanboy. I'm like, all right, so we've connected this to Silence in the Library. That's how she gets her future Sonic. Now, help me out with this. Mm-hmm. So, in Silence in the Library or Force of the Dead... He opens up her Sonic, mm-hmm. and it has that chip. The that, yeah, yeah, the ghosting that, chip. The yeah. ghosting chip. Mm-hmm. So, did the twelfth Doctor have that chip and put that in that Sonic then, before he gave it to her? Or what's your alternate there? If he didn't. Well, I because I brought it up, and I think people have told me, "Shut up, Kevin! You're stupid." I mean, he did, right? He had the ghosting chip. I, th- I think that was. I think that was the implication from Silence in the Library that he 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 did sneak it in there because he knows where she's going because he's from the future. Yeah, whenever he gives it to her, mm-hmm. it's got it in there. Yeah, although they did. I love how that in a way they were supposed to close. The, I thought, oh, this closes the book on River. This is their last night. He gives her the Sonic. Okay, like I thought, we are done with River at least in terms of the TV show. Maybe we'll get some, you know, more big. Actually, we are getting more big finish. What am I saying with Diary of River Song? But. Uh, maybe we'll get some other side stuff like that, but we are done with the TV show River. But instead, he does the whole ah, but it turns out a night here is what was it like twenty years or something. And well, that just means that there's now leeway for them to always go back to that last night and and have other little adventures before they've got to truly call it. And I think that's fine. Listen, I don't think River ever had had to be just that little story. I think she can. I'm fine with her popping in whenever because of the weird way they set up the this backward time loop, the way it's been going. It, to me, it seemed like a natural closure to the thing. Like, okay, and we're done. Not to say maybe you can find a loophole later, maybe, but boy, please make it a good story. Like, make it worthwhile. So I guess that's, there's that part of me going like, you know, to me, she's very much part of the Smith era. Yeah, she started with Tennant, and, and technically she's now brushed with McGann and the audios, and, and she had this nice little coda with Capaldi. I am done. I can walk away. I know she's a very popular character, though, and, and people want to see more of her, so... I'll just I'll just roll with it however it goes from there. But I I'd be perfectly happy if this was the last one. Did end in a little bit of a schmaltzy ending there, the you know the the, the pixie dust credits. But all right, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean if you take this for what it is, it's just it's a fun run around. But there's some very nice little uh, the moments in it. It's it actually felt a lot like an RTD episode throwback to me. Um, not that this is RTD related, but I like the bit where he goes to that planet. Mm-hmm. Where there's like nothing, mm-hmm. gives the kid what I don't know what, what what he gives the kid a shit ton of money somehow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. 
This is a good place for a restaurant. Boom. Step in the TARDIS, step out. It's all ready. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. That's yeah. what I like in time travel shows. Sure. That's, yeah. No, that was that was pretty effective. Very, very restaurant at the edge of the universe there, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but nice. And the, uh, I can't remember any other, well, and the, the thing where it was it the, the different heads come out of the robot and they're always like, oh, it stinks in there. You know, that's a little, silly. yeah, it's a little overly done silly. Um, I mean, look, it's not pinnacle Doctor Who by any means, but I think, I think as Christmas specials go, it was far more entertaining than most of them have been to me. I'm giving this 8.75. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, silly. Not taking it for what it is. I mean, it's not my ideal Doctor Who, but taking it for what it is, I'm between a seven and an eight. I'll go seven and a half. Okay. I just rated it technically more than Heaven Sent. Is that right? Should I do that? Yes, because Heaven Sent had him going for billions of years. That's true. We had, we technically killed the Doctor in that. I don't like the Doctor dying. Okay. All right. All right. That's where I stand. Yeah, boy, I don't even want to average this, but I think it's mostly going to come out to like a four or five in this season. It's just, aye, aye. Um, you know, um, I, I do hope for, for better things. We get one more year with Moffat. Granted, it's another year away, um, but I don't have high hopes. Uh, so actually, I'm, pe I'm pegging more of my hopes that Capaldi will stay and we will get something interesting with Chibnall. Based mostly on his work in Broadchurch, not so much on his who work. Yeah, it's. I mean, for me, it's been like I. Th I know that I'm not too big on Chibnall's Doctor Who work, mm -hmm. but we need a change. We need a change we so bad. Change. It's it's so obvious that I think Moffat's just he's just he's just run dry. That's why I'm very worried about this last Moffat season. I get the impression that they wanted to change it now, but because of the way schedules worked, they had to do one more year of Moffat. So it really makes me worry. Like, I mean, then I hope Moffat, I don't know, maybe with this extra gap year, although I think they, they're filming this year, right? They're probably so, doing well. And he's got Sherlock too. That's right. That's right. Sherlock. So part of me was wondering if maybe this would give him a little more time to breathe and maybe come up with one last great season, you know, really make up for some of the failings of the previous seasons. Um, I, I can't get my hopes up anymore. It's just gotta be like, well, it'll be what it'll be. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll always watch it. I'm a fan, and hopefully there'll be uh, a flat line or a mummy on the Orient Express to surface at least, you know, something. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, what do you think our next review stuff will be? Um, we could proceed further backward down the pike to series four and do the Tenant era, or we could say screw that new Who stuff for a while and and do uh, some classic Who. It's actually those are. Weirdly enough, less stories per season to deal with. I like yeah. that. Um, if there's a particular Doctor era that you're interested in talking about again. I mean, I know you're a big Davison fan. I don't know. Something to think about. Something to think about. Any of those could be could be interesting. Um, Maybe, uh, gosh, I know that a lot of people listen to the podcast. I don't think there's a lot of interaction on Facebook. It'd be fun to put up a Facebook poll, but I don't think enough people will answer uh, that's true. Most people, I think, access this through iTunes uh, and the WordPress site. But if anybody does want to give us some feedback, I'm happy to listen. Uh, uh, but What I, season should we do next? What season should we do next? Should we just finish out New Who or should we dive into some classic? Um, uh, they, they all have different merits. It'd be interesting doing classic just because it's. Uh, I'm, I'm so much more biased to it. I'm, to try to be hard and critical is really tough. But, uh, you know, I do call the bad ones when I see them. Um, yeah. 
So uh, that's right, because of the classic doctors, Davison's still your favorite, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. They all got interesting. But the problem is if we do Hartnell and Troughton, do we include the, the recons? I don't think we do recons. <laughs> Those are so hard to watch. Yeah, I got through them. I'll tell you this. You're missing well... Some- you're missing. I know. I'm. I'm. I find. But look, it took me a while to do it too. I'm not saying it was like I just popped it in every day. Um. I. Uh, there are some great Trouton stories. That oh, I believe shame it. That they don't exist anymore. Um. I'm trying to think if there's any easier way to to engage those, but oh well. But uh, yeah, definitely food for thought. Uh, we can we can discuss and I guess go go where either people or our our whims take us because it's always neat to. To go back down the well. It's too bad we didn't do this more when we were doing the marathon in 2014, and this was all a little more fresh in my head. But, but oh well. Anyways, with that said, thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope if you are a big Series 9 fan, you don't hate us to death. Uh, but uh, and, and hopefully you'll at least understand our concerns and beefs with some of these episodes. Because um, as we say, we do it out of love. We do like this show. Uh, we just want to see it be the best it can be. Yes. Indeed. Uh, so with that, uh, thank you, Kevin. Sure thing. And we'll be back with more proper shop talk next week on Costume Station Zero. <laughs>